It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. shows of last year which will show you how much tjpw has grown we've looked at tjpw many times before between myself uh christy john and i think you've done tjpw before chelsea you know i don't think i've done one for your podcast i've watched tjpw before but this was the first time i'd watched it in probably maybe two years two and a half years something like that it's been a while okay so yes, so we've done. So this this is the the first time we've come back to it since Monato. I think we watched a couple. Me and John did a couple of shows last year after Princess Two Two. But to join me today, as you've already heard, is Miss Chelsea Spawn. How are you doing, Mom? I'm doing okay. I uh, I enjoyed watching this. I have I just survived a mild brush with COVID, so it was actually pretty opportune to have like. A very chill four-hour show that I could just like sit and watch in my pajamas because I still don't feel like doing much of anything at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. It's not something you get over easily. So yes, this is I I I like this show a lot and I like TJPW a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember I was discussing it with in the we were talking about 80s Joshi the other week on Twitter and we were just point, we were just pointing out like how much not fun 80s Joshi is from a um, ethical point of view, considering what was going on backstage yeah. at the time between the Matsunaga brothers and the seniors and, and the pressure that was on the people in that particular promotion. And I said, I would take the giant panda and hyper missile seven times and twice on Sunday over what was happening in the 80s as far as like the matches were outstanding, but there was things that were going on that we just didn't need. And now the matches are outstanding. And there's things that are going on that are very supportive. And oh, I guess we'll never Hopefully know exactly. a lot less of the stuff that we don't that we're hoping is not happening anymore. Yeah, exactly. And um yeah, you know, there is there is an amount of sacrifice to be a professional wrestler of whatever style anywhere in the world, but there should never be that amount of sacrifice. Um and yeah. Yeah, and that's what, what we love about TJPW. It's just so positive and such a positive kind of outlook on the wrestling world and how wrestling should be done. Um, so shall we start with the opening of the show? Uh, yeah, that was that was quite a surprise for me. <laughs> uh, as is traditional, the show opened with the Up Up Girls singing their latest song and with their newest members as well. Um, uh Christy told me that you have to pick a favorite. Did you have a favorite? Uh, probably. I mean, granted, this is just based on like one impression, right? I liked mm. Sumita Haruka. She cool. is cool and has cool clothes. Yes, I like Mia Watanabe myself because she 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 like is ripped and yep is just insane as far as strength is concerned for a, a young lady who doesn't look like she could say boo to a goose and then you watch her wrestle um, and it shines through in her singing performances as well 
Mm. And like, we found it's the same character essentially, which is really good. There so, you yes, go. We, we had an up up girls performance to start to kick the show off, as is traditional. Um, and then the first match was Susan May versus Arisu Endo. Um, this is kind of your up and comers match, as traditional on a Joshi show of any particular type. Endo is 24, Susan May is 24 as well. They both come out of Tokyo Joshi Pro Dojo, I believe. I'll just check. Yes. Um, and they're both doing well and working their way up the card. What did you think of this, Jesse? Uh, sorry, we're talking about the the match that follows the pop performance, or we're talking about like the official opener. The oh yeah, yeah, because it was before the yeah. Hang on, right. We're talking about the first one on the card. <laughs> okay, so yes. the the little post pop dance. Yes. Match. Yes. The uh, match. It was you know it was uh, it was like if you mixed a young lions match with a J pop performance. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually quite surprised that they were wrestling after they were done dancing and singing. So that was a nice, that was a nice little treat for me. Um, this is, I, I like the fact that Tokyo Joshi Pro is figuring out ways not only to get you to buy more merch from the wrestlers, but giving you extra reasons to invest in the product by trying to attract the very large audience that really, really cares about J-pop. And uh doing it kind of like morning go musume style which is is up up girls do you know if up up girls is affiliated with morning go musume i don't know no yeah okay well i don't know um but yeah it was uh it was fun and i was surprised that those girls could wrestle and it was like a good little opener it was a nice you know what it said on the tin high energy fast mm -hmm. short and sweet yeah, yeah, eight minutes, 48 seconds. Cage match users give it seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, as, John, <laughs> as, um, as, uh, as John quite often says, to impress those miserable bastards, you have to go a long way. Which I don't think is fair. <laughs> but I think John. it really depends. <laughs> I, think, I think the cage match people tend to prefer anything that is very technical and very crisp. And if it is not that, and it is also not, like, a very particular kind of very silly slapstick comedy that a very small portion of the audience likes, they do not enjoy it. <laughs> no. Um, and we had all of that on this show. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, just as a, as a pointer, none of these matches drop below six, which will yeah. tell you that's... You know, I, uh, we, John doesn't make fun of the cage matches, but they are a discerning audience who just watch lots of wrestling. So we have to be honest with them that they probably watch an awful lot more wrestling than some of the things we don't watch. So, yeah, let's just move on anyway, because the next match was much more rookie orientated again. Himawari, Miho Kiru, Shino Suzuki, and Wakinaki Ura defeated Hiru Kizishiro, Kayu Tarabami, Runa Okuba, and Toga in 11 minutes and 23 seconds. We couldn't find any information about this because most of these people are making their debuts or are quite recently debuted. Marihiro Kiru was the rookie, sorry, was the leader on one in the winning team. She's 29. And Toribami is one year, two years into, 18 months into her career. And some of the others were 14 years old. <laughs> 
Yeah, which is still a thing. I'm 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 always a little shocked that that's allowed. But I mean, I guess it makes sense um, relative to here. Uh, definitely, for sure, minors have a lot more autonomy in Japan legally in a lot of ways than they do here. <laughs> I, I think I think that's a general thing outside the U.S. To be honest with you, yeah. I think you know, it, like kids go to wrestling schools here all the time, but that's a different. See, this is the twist on the thing. Like in the UK, a wrestling school is kind of like martial arts, right? If you see what I mean, you, you can send your kids to taekwondo, or you can send your kids to the pro wrestling school. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, that's the well, and it helps that you guys have socialized healthcare that actually works. Um, yeah, that's that's the other thing, and no one's going to sue you, or right. if you are sued, the insurance there is insurance available for you to. To cover things like that, where you're not going to be, if you do get sued, you are going to have enough public liability insurance to be able to cover things like that. Mm. Getting injured because, you know, people complain about a health and safety culture, but it does mean that people are protected should things go wrong. That's true. And it keeps insurance costs down because you can manage the risk of everything that you are doing. And it means skate parks stay open and it means that. BMX tracks stay open and motocross tracks stay open and race tracks stay open and all of these fun things that you know humans shouldn't do <laughs> yep. are actually possible at minimal cost to well like maximum cost to your body but minimal cost to your to the organizations that run these things yeah uh, and which means that in we can have 14 year olds to do pro wrestling um, I wouldn't say it's the same in Japan, but the attitude is a bit different as far as like autonomy of children is concerned. Yeah, it's very common in Japan to see kids walking around in public without an adult there by themselves and using public transportation, especially on weekdays. And so it's probably not uncommon for 14 year olds to be able to say, bye, mom and dad, I'm off to wrestling school. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I, it's, it's just like as well attitudes like um just the way people are brought up and culturally differences like i was watching something on instagram the other day like in in norway there there are no male and female toilets there's just toilets mm. because no one's no one expects anyone to get attacked in a toilet because it just doesn't happen yeah because of the attitudes people have yeah yeah and it's just like uh, <laughs> what did we miss out on anyway let us move on but yeah, this 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 match was a lot of fun for what it was, and for a bunch of fourteen-year-olds who seemed to have an awful lot of presence and timing, and they didn't let them out into the big wide world until they were clearly ready for it. Is Uehara the one who did the muta elbow? Yes, I think she is. I like her. She's cool. Yeah. She was impressive. I I I had uh, I had that moment of like, oh, I could definitely see her going places. Um, she seemed she seemed like she knew what she was doing a little bit more than other people in the match did, which is not that's not me saying that they're not talented. They just, you know, haven't had the experience yet. But she she looked like a star in this match for sure. Yeah, she she is a former idol. Um yeah, hmm. um, she she did the TJPW did a YouTube series um, using idol models, and she was the one that went forward and started doing wrestling. So you're telling me they did a, a divas search? Indeed, they did. Wow. Yeah, they're doing open. They're doing an open audition as well soon, which again that's is smart. That's yeah. smart. Tokyo is, has a big junior idol culture. 
And not all of those girls get signed to record labels when they're done with their junior idol career and they quote unquote graduate. Yeah. So yeah, that's clever. I think as well, it's like it's it's something different because Tokyo Joshi Pro is essentially the second biggest Joshi company now. I would say it's difficult to say who's in second place, but they are. You know, they're doing something different, and Stardom is probably, as it's currently owned by Bushi Road and therefore New Japan Pro Wrestling, is probably likely to do closed tryouts because New Japan do closed tryouts. They only invite people that they're not going to have to do a ton of work. Mm. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Or, but that means there's a pool of wrestlers that are available to all of the other Joshi promotions that are going to fit better in those Joshi promotions because they are the standard wrestling kind of archetype. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes I mean, I always like I always like offer the story of Badlock Farley as um, a good example of you know when he went to the he 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 was a rugby player and he was on a scholarship in Japan. And then his scholarship ran out, but he didn't want to leave Japan. But there was no professional rugby teams with an opening for him. So he was like, what do I do now? And then one of his friends said, well, you know, New Japan were doing open auditions at the time. They didn't, there was just, there was no interest in wrestling, really, in the early 2010s. Or not enough, put it that way. So they weren't getting the numbers they used to, whereas, you know, now they actually, you know, pick amateurs and, you know, their, their scouting system's really good. More so, they were still doing open auditions, and I think there was something like 12 guys auditioned, and they picked three, and they picked Bad Luck Farley, despite the fact Farley failed every physical test they had, but they could see he was trying that hard, that they hired him. That is uh, not a bad test of someone who will make a good pro wrestler. Yeah. I think it's the same reason that the Performance Center, um, a lot of times when you see people who get hired after a tryout and the first time you see them on television, you're kind of like, what's going on there? And then they end up sticking around and, you know, staying in the system. Like, um, who's a good example? Dana Brooke. Yeah. You know, first few times I saw her, I was like, you know, she's got the look, but I don't get it. But now I'm like, oh, they have her there because she does every single thing that they ask her to do. That's mm-hmm. the point. And she does it to the best of her ability. That's why she's there. Yeah. I, Johnny Ross is a good example from back in the 70s and 80s. He was a guy who trained a bunch of guys for Vince Senior. And he was always around and would do anything Vince Senior asked him to. So he had a jump for a long time. He was never a star. He was a jobber on TV. But that was like, he was a useful guy to have around. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> That's it. And funnily enough, Johnny Rods actually follows me on Twitter. I have I have WWE Hall of Fame that follow me now. <laughs> and I was watching... You're big time, James. What I, can I say? Way goes, yeah. And he, um, he retweeted some of the stuff on this show. So there you go. Johnny Rods, Hall of Famer. Enjoyed this show. Probably the bits he saw on Twitter anyway. Good <laughs> uh, taste, I guess. Yes, definitely. Let's just move on to the first kind of big match on the show. Free Wi-Fi, Hikaru Noya and Neo Kakuta, along with Ram Kaichiko, defeated Pom Hakuruduku. <laughs> I can never get her name right at all. Pom Harajuku. Pom Harajuku, Raku and Yuko Eno. 10 minutes and 23 seconds. I like this match a lot. This was fun. And it kind of centered around Ram and Raku having a friendly falling out. Because they didn't really fall out. They've just kind of 
on their own ways. Uh, the last time we saw Ram was on her day job, where she's a manager in 666, and so accompanied her charge to the um, best of, uh, super junior. Wait, the festival. clothing line? Sorry? The manager, 666, the clothing line? Or is that no, a stable? 666, the deathmatch promote, death promotion. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> there's also, there's a boutique in Harajuku called 666. So that's oh, what yeah. we're referring to. <laughs> no, no, yeah. She, she's a manager in 666. And I can't remember who she manages. But they were on Hiromu Takahashi's booked uh, All-Star Weekend Junior, All-Star Junior Festival. So she was on that and she... Did a flying crossbody off the top rope onto her onto her onto her protege's opponent, and it's like because she's like evil incarnate in six six six, and then she comes to take GPW and she's just like a bit strange. <laughs> so yeah, so this batch kind of like fed around the fact that Raku and Ram not fall out, but Ram misses Raku clearly, and she's not happy about it. And yeah, there were some significant looks thrown. Yes, this was it. This was all about. It's just like, you know, no one's really a heel in this match. Everyone's kind of baby faces. It's just somewhere like dark purple and others wear white or tartan. Because Tom always wears tartan. I'm just not over the fact that there's a tag team stable called Free Wi-Fi. Space, that, isn't it? <laughs> that, is, that is the single best name for a wrestling stable that I've ever heard. It is. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, I just like this match. It was just mindless fun with just like it set the tone for the card because the whole card yeah. is about friends not quite falling out <laughs> and you know i i actually didn't pick up on that until we got later in the card and i was more familiar with some of the wrestlers on it yeah but yeah that was an interesting theme and i have to say having watched a fair amount of AEW recently and been very disappointed at the lack of sincere effort that they put behind their women's product um it's really nice to watch a wrestling promotion where there is enough storyline and enough history among the women in it that they have the sense of those relationships to bring to every match or almost every match on the card. That was very refreshing. Um, this is why uh, women's wrestling in women's wrestling promotions is always better than women's wrestling that's just included as part of a promotion that predominantly features men. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to point out that AEW have access to every woman on this card because of the DDT. I know! <laughs> <laughs> I know! And Talent they, swap the grill and it is just like... Do you know how excited I was when they signed Yuka Sakazaki? Yeah. I saw that on Twitter and I literally yelped out loud... And I think, have we seen her more than twice? No. Yeah, and I think I it's expensive to fly her in from Japan. I, I get, and especially during COVID, like the first year of the pandemic, especially traveling back and forth between the U.S. and Japan was probably not feasible. But they have more women who are signed to their promotion that they haven't used on television than people mm -hmm. that they've used on television this year. And it's March. Yeah, this is the thing. I think... The Ring of Honor might take some coming into play, might take some strain off of that those issues that they have, because obviously Women of Honor is kind of a big deal in Ring of Honor, and they seem to have kind of like Lady Frost was on there this week, and they're doing some things, and it kind of oh like yeah, spreading I saw away that she's a little bit. Badass. I like she's her. awesome. I like her a lot. She's really cool. Um, yeah, so I think there's 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 more opportunity, but it is just like. 
they have one good idea and then it's like yeah but there's so many women <laughs> just like it, 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 um, but yeah there's so many women and they don't know how to write stories for them and they don't want to write stories for them and it's very annoying so anyway when you watch a women's product and you haven't watched a women's wrestling product in a while and the whole show is women and they all have established relationships with each other that they can play off of it is a giant breath of fresh air <laughs> <laughs> it is it really is oh i should point out at this point this show was commentated on the english commentary was from chris brooks and shota um who were awesome shota's ace um I've not heard him commentate before. Chris Brooks is, I say Chris Brooks is the most useful gauge in current working in Japan because he does everything for DDT. He wrestles really? for them. He, yeah, he's, he commentates for TJPW. He wrestles for DDT. He's been tag team champion. He's been a singles champion. He knows how to book. He knows how to draw. He knows how to agent. He's the guy. And interestingly, massively popular, even though he's not really a babyface. You know, I was looking at the Tokyo Sports like rank fan rankings last year, and Osprey, who's like Osprey and Jay White, are obviously the two biggest gauging stars in in New Japan. Right. Were high up there. They were like seven and nine, but Chris Brooks was only like eleven. <laughs> you know, he's not that far behind. And also, he just he loves wrestling. I, I didn't realize that he was kind of on the like Sanjay Dutta or Dutta. Is am I saying it correctly? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sanjay Dutt. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm getting him mixed up with a Bollywood guy, um, uh, which is horrible, and I should not do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't realize that he was doing that much behind the scenes. That's super cool. I didn't know he was the Rocky Romero. He's it, not. I don't think he's at the Rocky Romero stage yet. But he's such a useful guy to have because he can do that stuff if you need it. And you know he's he's like because he used to. He's throw, a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, there was a there was a, a night in Sai so used to go. It was called Tuesday Night Graps. It was in Manchester, and it was run by a promotion that didn't go too well. A promotion that went under basically. I can't remember who it was. A promotion that went under. Another promotion took it over, and they just did a regular Tuesday Night Wrestling, and everyone like pissed on it because it was like it's not Tuesday Night Graps. And Tuesday Night Graps was. Just insanity, like book it, booked it. It was DDT style booking with Brit wrestlers, uh, and then Chris Brooks like, took over the booking of it, and it just flew. <laughs> and he he had he had he had no end of talent available to him because everybody wanted to work for him because he's Chris. So you know it, this is the thing is like he just he has he is a leader of the British wrestling industry even though he's four thousand miles away. He gets guys. a lot of credit from me, too, for being one of the only guys in that Brit rest scene who, after the speaking out allegations came out, he was possibly, he might have been the only Brit rest guy who was like, I fucked up. There were situations there that mm -hmm. I should have said or done something about, and I didn't. Like, yeah. specifically the Millie McKenzie thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and uh, if he, if if that is genuine, if that's coming from a genuine place... Um, I would I would say it was because that what, that is we need more of that we need he, more people who are willing to do that. Also loves women's wrestling, as you can tell by how Hart feels he feels about TJPW. But yeah, you know, Tegan Knox is as good as she is because she wrestled Chris Brooks that many times. Interesting. They wrestled each other for months on end. They I got to go back and find some of those matches because yeah. I remember a lot. 
just yeah, just they they were the draw. They were the match. You know, like Chris Hero and Sam Punk back in the day. It was them two. So yeah, um, and it was it was the first time I think as well a mixed gender match, an intergender match had that kind of level of effect on making two people hot. Um, but yes, wow, anywho, That's cool. Uh, let's move on. Ryu Mizunami defeated Moka Miyamoto eleven minutes and forty six seconds. Mizunami's been making a few appearances for TJPW. She is an independent. She's a former Sendai girl. Um, she's wrestled for AEW. She wrestled in Kirishida when she won the Japanese Eliminator Tournament for the AEW World Championship a, a while back, 18 months or so ago. I love her to death because she is one of those workhorses of the Joshi industry that can come in and make your young rising star look like a star, much in the same way Miko yeah. Samuro has done for decades. And she's kind of taken on that mantle with Miko not being there anymore. And Miyamoto went into this match rising high, lost, but still looked good in losing, uh, which is kind of what Mizunami's job is. It's yeah. The old, it's the old, um, oh, the Azerati, um philosophy of professional wrestling. <laughs> which was, um, oh, I was trying to remember the name. There's the, um, a British wrestler who, uh, whose name completely escapes me. I'm going to look him up now. But he just said, but described it as a reality is it would make you look like a million dollars for the first 10 minutes and then murder you. <laughs> <laughs> that seems apt for this. Um, I definitely, like, you can tell that Mocha Miyamoto, um, I think she's talented. She definitely has the TV star presence. Like, I could see why, why she's someone who they got into a singles match on this card because I looked at her and was like, well, she's kind of got the look. She's kind of got the vibe. Um, I feel like she'll get to that level one day of being a big name if she keeps at it and doesn't get injured. Um, but, I mean, you could tell that Mizunami was just like, I mean, the veteran workhorse, as you said. Mm -hmm. um, and she did. they did a good job with, you know, there's a nice little storyline there about like resilience and heart of someone trying to outwork someone else who's stronger than them. Um, and I don't necessarily, like, this isn't my favorite match on the card, but I I did enjoy that. I thought it was well done. Yeah, no, I thought so. So it, it, you could see where they were going. Miyamoto has, you know, lots of potential going forward. And she needs yeah. these kind of matches. There's a couple of matches on these cards. We'll get to the next one in a bit. But this is kind of like, I feel the theme, the theme that opened up for me is kind of like changing of the guard, as we'll see in the championship matches, not that I give them mm. too much but there seemed to be like, we need to renew. We've, we've gone as far as we can in this direction, so we're going to go for a new direction. And like, to do that, you need new stars to come up. And TJPW has plenty of top end stars. Yeah. Um, and so, but they, but that's the kind of, one of the elements of old school Joshi, which I appreciate that TJPW has taken up, you know, along with like the idol thing, which obviously you know goes back to beauty pair and, and crush gals and all that. Um, but the other one is just constantly refreshing and trying to build stars because yeah. as much as I love New Japan and they are trying to build new stars at the moment, I kind of am sick of watching the same guys wrestle each other. <laughs> so it, it's nice to see a promotion that are trying to throw some things at the wall and see what sticks. 
I think New Japan has invested for a long time in making sure that a lot of their like veteran top guys continue to look like stars as they put over the new guys. And but yeah, a lot of those cards feel like bloated and overloaded by some of those things, which are less accessible for people who are new. Um, whereas I watched this and I was aware of uh, Mizunami from uh, watching Sendai Girls shows, I think mostly for this podcast, but I had never seen Miyamoto before. And I actually, I just Googled her just now and realized she's only been wrestling for two years. Mm-hmm. She had done karate previously. Mm-hmm. And that explains a lot about the way she moves. Um, I like the way she kicks. It's it's fun to watch. But uh, but yeah, I I had no idea she only had two years of experience. She she definitely if this was them throwing her in the deep end, and I don't know if that was like for the first time. I don't know if this is the biggest match she's had so far. Um, she did very well. Let's just have a look at the matches that she has had. Uh... To do singles matches, Arisuendo, um, she tagged, uh, she was tagging with, um, huh. she, she's been tagging with Maki Ito and Miyama Shimashita, uh, Himawari, so another rookie. She's been kind of wrestling people at her own level. Mm. Um, Kayotaro Bami, people like that, like the the rookie-ish end of the TPW yeah. spectrum. So this is kind of a big step up for her, and she certainly looked up to that in this particular match, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I Definitely. think so. Now, the match that everyone was talking about, Kiryaki Kome, Hyper Misao, and Shoko Nakajima defeated Andresa Giant Panda <laughs> and Haruna Neko in 10 minutes and 25 seconds. Oh, this is just bliss. This is the kind of thing that makes wrestling purists blood boil. But it's just brilliant. <laughs> 7.25 from the cage match users. So they appreciated this. This was just great. It, it's a cat and a panda wrestling wrestlers. One yeah. Wears a bear outfit. This gets a 12 <laughs> out of 10 on the Jim Cornette probably hated it scale. Oh, there was people who were like, there was people who were t- tagging Brian Last into this. And it's like, oh. Jimbo doesn't need another racist misogynist rant about this kind of stuff. He, he Didn't somebody that. tag James Storm and was like whining about it may not have been this match, but I think it was this match. Yeah. Whining about um, you know, like, is this really what wrestling is supposed to look like? And it's like, yeah, because people showed up to pay to see it and they laughed. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Make money. <laughs> It's wrestling from a giant corporation that makes money hand over fist. That's month. what Cody Rhodes keeps saying in every interview he's doing, and he's about to headline WrestleMania, so maybe he knows some stuff that those super smart marks do not. No, that's the thing. It's just like, you know, no, do I like WWE? No, I don't. I choose not to watch it. I prefer to give my money to other companies whose products I enjoy. That's fine. I don't hate WWE. I don't despise WWE. It's not my particular cup of tea. So I don't watch it. I move on with my day. <laughs> you know, I mean, arguably this show has been probably a bit gatekeeperish in the past. But generally speaking, we tend to be positive about the wrestling we enjoy and we want you to enjoy it too. Yeah. That's how you should enjoy wrestling. It's the same as any other art form or indeed sport that if you enjoy it, then you should enjoy it with everyone. Well, and also this card is like four hours long. If this particular match on this card is not your cup of tea, 
there is other stuff on this card for you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like this because it's the only offering because it's not. <laughs> no, and this is this is entirely the three ring circus uh, kind of way that wrestling's supposed to work. You know, wrestling is supposed to work in this particular manner because if you don't like the lions, you'll like the you'll like the clowns, and if you don't like the clowns, you'll like the the horse riders. So there you go. Oh, where are we? Let's see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you got anything else to say about this match? Honestly, honestly, just that I I was like, wait, there's someone named Andres a giant panda, and I had to I had to Google it because I I felt very lost at first, and then once it actually started, I was like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just that. It's simple. It really is. It's just it's just it's just that simple. It's it's a giant panda and a cat character. Haruna Neko is a cat. They wrestled Hakim Sao Hakim Sao just running away made me smile at one point. That was great. Um, Has Haruna Neko had any run-ins with Hiromu? No. Because if not, somebody should set that up. They should really. Um, he does like his cats. And Harun Neko does somewhat look like Daryl slightly in the black and white kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, they're, they're talking together now. Like it's Cyber Fight and New Japan. They've just done a big show together. They, 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 they're they on talking terms, you know? So there you go. things it's, might happen. Maybe it's time. I think so. Um, or a mixed tag would be kind of cool. I'd like to see that. But yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, indeed. Let's move on next. We had a tag team match. Misa, Michelle, and Sakisami, that would be Neo Bikishigun, defeated with their veteran wiles, Billy Starks and Yukio Kamifuki. Talking about teenagers who were older before their time and massively experienced and you know, do things that 18-year-olds shouldn't be able to do. Billy Starks graduated this week. She flew home from her making her pay-per-view debut in Japan to graduate high school and took her four championship belts with her. Oh my God. Yeah. She was still in high school? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> she only left this week. Wow. <laughs> she took time off school to do this match. Uh -huh. And she, I, I mean, I love, Dave, I, I love David Finley, but she has a better trash panda that's better than David Finley's. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> um, I, you know, Chris Brooks scolded her for that swanton bomb to the outside on commentary, and I have to say I agree with him. I feel yeah. like, I, I, and I say that as someone who really likes Billy and was happy to see her on this show because I've seen her wrestle in person before, and mm. it has been about maybe, maybe four years. It's been a while. Um, yeah. And, you know, I thought she was really talented and obviously very young, you know, so I was always willing to cut her a little slack when there were people complaining about her age on Twitter saying, like, why is she there? She needs to learn what she's doing. Like, no, guys, she's been pretty good this whole time. Um, but uh, I don't feel like I don't get the impression from watching Tokyo Joshi Pro that this is a promotion where you have to do a giant dangerous high spot like that mm. to the outside 
in order to get over with the crowd. I I feel like if she had done a crossbody to the outside, she would have gotten the same kind of reaction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's Neo Bishiki Gun, that they are the comedy heels. You don't have to I can understand pressures on you want to do something impressive because you're after a job, which is fine, and I understand that. But equally, yeah, they want to employ someone who's not going to take too many risks to you have to balance that point out. They want you to try, that's to show that you want it, but equally they, they want someone who's going to be safe and an investment. I mean, and I've never seen her wrestle a match that I thought was lazy, including, no. like, I think she and... I, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, I think when I saw her live, she was involved in a big tag match that also involved Faye Jackson, and they did some very silly stuff. And, you know, I just, I never have felt like she needed to prove herself in that way for her to stand out. I think she stands out anyway. And I just hope that she knows that she doesn't have to burn out her body at the age of like, I don't know, 18 or 19, however old she is right now, in order to get her career off the ground. Because if she does it now, she's going to regret it when she has to retire super young. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I love Yuki Kamafuki, and watching her wrestle is always a joy. And you've got to love Neo Bukishikun. They, they do what they do, and they've been doing it for a very long time. Um, they've, been, they've been away for about a year. Um, I thought, you know, they came back and they made a grand return and it was just fun and I enjoyed that from that point of view. Have you any thoughts on this? Um, it was silly and fun and I thought that, um, what is her name? May. I thought that mm -hmm. May was interesting. She was the person other than Billy who I was aware of prior who stood out the most to me because she's kind of got that like, uh, underdog thing going for her and yeah. she knows how to work it so um i she was the person who stood out to me most in this match and i thought it was fun i just i think billy doing that spot and looking like she was about to die really threw me <laughs> <laughs> with the massive gap because i you know I, as well we're not used to japanese audiences making that much noise mm. and the massive gasp when she landed it was like and it's just like mm, yeah I think it reminded me a little bit of when Manami Toyota put, I want to say, Suzuka Minami through a table. Mm -hmm. You know that one where she's yeah. wearing the white, the white Leo type gear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. It reminded me of that where the crowd is just like, oh my god, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it was a good match. I just, I, I feel disappointed. I, I wish I could. I wish I could give this a more enthusiastic rave review considering the effort that was put into it. Mm. Because everybody worked hard. It just, that that one spot kind of threw me and I didn't really recover from it. That's understandable. It's, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this, this was, it was good. It was solid and I think Billy Starks has got a bright, bright future. Um, and specifically in Japan, if he continues with that, but like we said, stay safe, please, Billy. Uh, but yes, let us move on then. Aja Kong. Yes, that Aja Kong defeated Yuki Arai in 13 minutes. Aja Kong is a living legend. She's basically impervious to anything. So it was obviously going to be an uphill struggle for Yuki Arai in this match. 
But I thought she did really, really well. And again, it's kind of the point. She's wrestling Aja Kong. She's wrestling the legend. She isn't supposed to win. The, you know, it's the old task thing. Win if you can, survive if I let you. And that's that's kind of what mm. this match was about. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it from that point of view because, you know, Aja Kong, even at the age of, is she 54 now? 52. Even at the age of 52 is better than most professional wrestlers in the world. Still. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, because she just knows exactly what to do at exactly the right time and looked after Yuki Arai and made her look like a million dollars and then murdered her because that's a joke. <laughs> yep. What was your thoughts on this one, Chelsea? I really enjoyed this a lot. Um, I did not know Aja Kong was going to be on this card until I was already watching the show and I saw the little preview package at the beginning of the show. And so once I found out that she was announced, I was waiting for her. Um, uh, I, I love how much of a hoss she is. And Aja Kong is such a good example of someone who figured out what their deal is really early in their career and has not had to modify their toolkit as a wrestler in ring really very much at all. Like there are some complicated pieces of offense that were very dangerous that she used to do in the 90s that she doesn't do anymore because she's older and has to preserve her body. But almost everything she does in every match I see her in is classic Aja Kong, and it all still works. It never... Not that every match is equally exciting, but it never falls flat for me. And I don't really know how she does it, honestly. I, it's, it reminds me of how Mako doesn't really um, doesn't reinvent her move toolkit. Pretty much keeps everything mm. as simple as she can. And therefore, because you're not distracted by a bunch of new things that she tried that don't necessarily work for her, you're able to focus on the match and also focus on her opponent when necessary. And that's part of why it works. Um, I had not seen Yuki Arai before, and I was really impressed by her. Um, I like the way she moves. I think she definitely showed a ton of heart in this match in the way that makes a great baby face. Um, I mm. feel like at some point they're going to book her versus Aja Kong again, and it'll be one of those things where it gets booked like a month out from the pay-per-view to get everybody fired up about a rematch, and you know she'll finally find some way to take her down. Um, and I, I was impressed, especially when I Googled her and I found out that she is another former idol. She was in SKE 48. Mm. Um, do you know about SKE 48? No, I do not know about SKE 48. Please enlighten me because I'm, I'm, I'm learning more about idols and they do, they do intrigue me. It's a girl group that at one point literally had 48 members. If I if I'm thinking of the correct thing, hold on, I'm going to Google this right now to make sure that I'm right and that I'm not speaking out of turn. I th I'm pretty sure it is that because, uh, yep, it's yep, it's that it's them, it's that group. Um, there you go. Uh, they did they at one point have forty? They're they're their music videos are very much like. How do I put this? Very, um, it's the kind of J-pop that is meant 
to be like, this is a prepackaged, smooth, glossy thing that you don't have to expend a lot of brain cells on. We're not trying to make anything super, super groundbreaking. Here are some nice girls in nice clothes and they're going to dance and it's going to be catchy. Right. And um, and it works. Uh, but yeah, I was shocked when I found out that that's apparently Yuki and I's background. And I mean, I thought, with the exception of the fact that like that one axe kick that she does keeps kind of keeps missing and she keeps like stumbling a little bit. Other than mm -hmm. that, I would not have guessed that she didn't have more of a professional wrestling background. I thought she was she looked really awesome in this match. And mm -hmm. uh, she took that beating like a pro and Aja Kong put her over by beating the crap out of her. Mm -hmm. And um, you can tell that she was trained by Miyu Yamashita because she throws punches the same way, which I really appreciate. <laughs> not yeah. enough, not enough people throw those punches in not just like Joshi, but wrestling in general, where it's like they strike from the elbow, and the fist yeah. is kind of an afterthought. And yeah. I love that. I, I don't know why. Something about the motion of that just really, really works for me. It looks cool, and it's safer than a regular wrestling punch because you are less likely to accidentally hit your opponent in the face for real. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's usually intriguing me what you're saying about like um, how Ajakon gets the maximum amount minimum. Mm -hmm. And there's a group of wrestlers. Yun Kasai, the deathmatch wrestler, really doesn't have a ton of moves. But it's how he does them. And yeah. Minoru Suzuki as well. Because he's older and he doesn't have a ton of stuff to do. Um, but all of them are friends. Mako Satomura, Aja Khan, you know, they've been friends for years, obviously, um, and rivals and opponents. But Kasai and Suzuki, Kasai hangs out with Suzuki all the time. You know, even though you wouldn't think that they were, like, not of the same style of wrestling, but they are yeah. friends. And it is just like intrigues me. Like birds of a feather do stick together. And it intrigues me with like how strong styles developed in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The the, the faction with Ren Narita and Desperado and Minoru Suzuki. Mm. They are Ren Narita is a rookie, but it's not a rookie. He's just come back off excursion. But he's a guy with a limited moveset. But what he does counts, and he makes it work. And yeah. you know that's like the same with Desperado. He doesn't have a ton of fancy moves. He's Desperado. <laughs> and it's yeah, yeah that, that's 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 cool and that's the wrestling i like to be honest with you and i think like yeah. that's 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 um intriguing me what you said there because they are all kind of like me a bunch of people that, that, that work together and talk together and, and develop wrestling and move it forward yeah i mean they're all they're all legends at what they Indeed. do let us move on to the meaty end of the stick, if you will. Rika Tatsumi defeats Miyu Watanabe in 18 minutes and 31 seconds of an exemplary professional wrestling match to take the International Princess Championship. This was just awesome. Love this match. Bit sad that Watanabe lost. I've got to be honest with you. But I like Tatsumi as well. Tag team partners going at it for the championship belts. What more could you want? So, what did you think of this one, Chelsea? So I didn't realize until after I watched this and was looking up to try to find like some gifts on Twitter and saw things people were saying about it, that they used to be tag team partners and that they really hadn't had a big singles match like this before. 
And it's that beautiful thing that happens where it doesn't, it's not always guaranteed. There are lots of times where there are people who tag together very well and they don't wrestle each other super well. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those things that you get where you have two people who clearly have a lot of respect for each other and have some kind of a professional bond who just beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, 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 you could tell that they knew each other really well and wanted to outwit each other. And that was really interesting to me. Um, I had seen Miyu Watanabe before. I had not seen Rika Tatsumi before. I liked her. I was really, I was really interested in sort of like the layout of this match because, Mm. hmm, I don't know how to put it, but it felt like Tatsumi had the upper hand really early. And then it felt like she didn't, but it wasn't in such a way where I was like, okay, and now the baby face is going to do this. And now the heel is going to do this. Like I didn't, I didn't know. I had no idea who was going to win most of the way they were through this. And it's not because I didn't care. I cared. I was invested, but at no point did my wrestling smart fan brain switch on and tell me exactly what was going to happen. And that's very refreshing. That was, that was nice that actually, because probably because I've watched so much wrestling to record this show. That doesn't happen to me too often. <laughs> um, I'm sorry I've ruined you. <laughs> no, you haven't. You've exposed me to some really cool wrestling that I never would have watched otherwise. Um, and, you know, I I d- didn't know all the factors in their story there. There were a couple of moments where the crowd really reacted, like that um, mm. the dragon sleeper. Yeah. where the crowd was like really, really hype. And I was like, okay, there's stuff here that I don't know about that's going on, it, that's gone on previously. Um, but I really enjoyed this. These two have chemistry. They both looked like big stars in this match. They both looked like people who could have a big, like pay-per-view carrying match at the end of a card. And um, honestly, yeah, I was a little sad that uh that watanabe lost because i liked her i I always like her i've seen her before Mm -hmm. a few times and uh she always she always comes across to me as being very charismatic and trying very hard and that's kind of hard not to root for but tatsumi this is my first time seeing her and i was just i was very impressed um yeah i would really like to see more from her i'm gonna go and intentionally find stuff of hers that people say is really good on cage match to watch now that i have subscription to tokyo joshi pro <laughs> i will also say that dragon sleeper finisher oh that was gorgeous to watch yeah um, for those who've not seen it she applies the dragon sleeper in much the same way sonata or other wrestlers apply the dragon sleeper but she also implies it from the back, which meant Watanabe was laying on her front and was in a dragon sleeper being bent in half by Tatsumi. It looked like she was in agony. Um, and you don't want to do that to... that way unless you know exactly how flexible exactly. you're doing it. To <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. that, could have been, that could have been a really bad trip to the chiropractor followed by a trip to the surgeon if she yeah. hadn't done it exactly perfectly. Yeah, this was outstanding work. Let us move on to the Princess Tag Team title match which featured Wasteland War Party, the then-champions losing in 30 minutes and 42 seconds to Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita. Yamashita, rather, that's team, I can never get this right, 12,100,000, 121,000,000. <laughs> what number is it? This, this is punch of zero, three. 
It's it's Maki Ito and Mia Yamashita. Yeah, them too. You know. <laughs> the business associates, as they prefer to call themselves. They're not really, really? friends. <laughs> yeah. They don't <laughs> they're the two biggest draws in TJPW. Um, or that they prefer to be called themselves business associates because they don't really want to call each other friends because they essentially spend most of their careers meeting up every 18 months, knocking seven bells of shit out of one another, and then going, well, we should probably tag team again because we're really good when we do that. And, uh, yeah. So it's like right, Sasha then. Banks and Becky Lynch, but with yeah, basically. meat behind yeah. it. Yeah, like- the, yeah just, Mackie never quite gets one over. <laughs> She always comes up short. She gets closer every time, but they know they're good for one another, really. So... Is that is that because she's more vulgar and Miyu Yamashita is just a tiny little bit more of a sweetheart? I think so. I think, yeah, as in Yamashita is is the heart and soul of TJPW, isn't she? She's everything you'd want in a babyface yeah. champion. Not in the sense of she's always been princess or princess champion so many times but she is the she's the john singer she's the whole Hogan. she's the one that is the embodiment of the company and to an extent makito is also the embodiment of the company but it's the it's that playoff of i've got here by being outspoken you've got here by being perfect but this mm-hmm. boat, whereas like in wwe say you would kind of run that off against each other they do it in tjpw but they also say, but the, we're bigger than the whole of the sum of our parts. So if we tag team together, we can get rid of this monster tag team that's just demolished everybody since January, which is the story of this match. Yeah. Mm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I didn't have any of that background going into it, but I really enjoyed this. Um, honestly, once I saw that Mew and Maki, two wrestlers that I, I am familiar with, although not extensively, and now I obviously need to fix that. Um, uh, once I saw that they were a team, I was just in their corner the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was, uh, that was, I was just like, I don't know who those other people are, but I want them to win. And they did. <laughs> um, and uh, also shout out to Maki Ito's ridiculous giant bow um, on her gear. That was amazing. And I love how, I love how absurd her entire everything is like it's just everything to me the way that maki ito not only doesn't care if she pisses you off and doesn't care if something about her is like ugly and unseemly but she revels in it in a way that is just perfectly balanced between like bratty little sister and um you know i'm not doing this specifically to piss you off but i just don't care if it does like icon legend I yeah. aspire to that level of greatness, honestly. The, the the perfect story that explains Maki Ito, I think, was last year she tagged with Chris Brooks and DDT, and they needed a third for a six-man tag team match. So she gets this idea, and she goes to Pile Driver to talk to Bonoro Suzuki, and Chris is stood in the background, knowing what could happen, <laughs> and just is looking constantly looking to back away. <laughs> oh dear. Because <laughs> like Maki Ito goes in full Maki Ito and Suzuki is like, what do you two want? <laughs> I know you're up to something. And it's like you don't want this, but you can yeah. get it. <laughs> <laughs> and Maki Ito eventually persuades Suzuki to come and join them. And Brooks is terrified through the entire experience because <laughs> it's like 
this might work out, it might not, but we'll see. And it was fun. It was, a, but it was just like only Makiko could get away with that. You know, that's that's the that's the thing. You know, it's it just it just plays right for her, it, and she she plays that to the extent. I do like Heidi Howitzer and Maxine Paler. I do have to say though, they are really really cool. They did um, they did seem really cool in this match. I just I was invested in the two people that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, John's a big fan of Maxine Paler. Maxine Paler is non-binary. Um, and cool. yeah, and Heidi, I like Heidi's tr- trash talk of it must suck to suck like you, which is just like that's the best trash line ever. <laughs> it's 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 like kind of sixth grader, but it's also kind of a sick burn. <laughs> it's really, wish so people like you, but my favorite, my all time ZSJ is my favorite all time, um, uh, insult. Which was, I think, it was in nowhere, and he just like started flicking V's at a wrestler, went, "Oh, your number," <laughs> which is an incredibly like year six insult to make childish insult to making British people. Um, it's just like you know, they're still like you know, I still mark out for him using British swear words on Japanese television because he knows he'll get away with it. <laughs> yes, let us move on to the main event. Uh, this was well, this was deep. We're talking about storytelling. Mizuki and Yuki Sakazaki have been together as a tag team as the magical magical super rabbits on and off since 2018. 2000, yeah, and they've won the, the princess of uh, sorry the princess tag team championships. They've done it all basically, and then Mizuki challenged Yuki Sakazaki for her princess of princess championship. And 21 minutes later, she takes the championship. Um, the Magical Sugar Rabbits are a dream tag team to watch. They're absolutely astounding because they have such physical presence and do so many incredible things. So to watch them wrestle each other, you are torn because they're such a great tag team, but also you are just abounded because it's pure joy wrestling. Mm. These two did get stiff with one another, as you would expect two friends to do because they wouldn't want to back down from one another, but they didn't push it too far and it just made for magic in this match. I really enjoyed this match because these two are great wrestlers having a great wrestling match. And it rounded out the evening with Sakazaki with her arm around Mizuki, giving her the championship belt and celebrating together. And it's like, that kind of like is what TJPW is. And that was so much fun to watch. I, yeah, I, um, I really enjoyed this. I love Yuka Sakazaki. Um, she is the first Tokyo Joshi Pro wrestler that I ever saw. And I saw her in GIFs on Twitter and was like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Um, I did not, I knew that they used to be tag team partners, but I didn't really know the extent of their history. And I didn't realize that this is like Mizuki's first really big win over Yuka, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, the only thing I didn't like about this match is that it stopped. <laughs> like, and that was and that was the thing for me was that that finisher after that, like it it felt very abrupt to me only because you can tell that both of them had more to say, which is probably the right place to stop. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like the first time Okada and Tanahashi had a big one, where yeah. they didn't intentionally 
they left things on the table. They didn't mm. do it all because you knew it wasn't the last one. Mm. And that was the vibe that I got here. I was like, there's no way that those two don't have more crazy shit to do to each other. Um, especially where in the first half, Yuka was pulling things and hesitating and not wanting to hurt her friend. And mm. the crowd was a little bit freaking out in the background. And that was cool. Um, mm -hmm. And then towards the end, she stopped pulling and she was like, all right, I'm going to hit you as hard as I possibly freaking can. Yeah. And I I just, I love her. Everything she does works for me. And I, I have heard some Tokyo Joshi Pro fans say that they felt that she has been overpushed, um, which I haven't personally seen. But I mean, it's not hard to see why she's at the center of a lot of things because she's so good. She's so effortlessly good. Um, yeah. Everything she does works for me. Like, I never have a moment watching her where I'm like, nah, that was a little messy. I didn't like it. Like, even the messy stuff she and Mizuki did together worked really well. And most of this isn't messy. A lot of it is like, <sighs> I want to say balletic, but that's not the right word. It's elegant violence. Mm. It's, that's the thing. It flows. It's, <sighs> it's like that fight scene that Buffy and Faith have at the end of season three. Mm. that's the that's the vibe that i got here only it's way better than that because these are these two are both so good um i i really enjoyed this and now i want to go back and watch all of their tag matches together so i can get caught up on all of their history <laughs> so that by the time they have another one i'll be i'll be fully immersed in it and i'll appreciate all the callbacks to other previous matches and anything they want to do together i i really enjoyed this this whole show i will say if you are considering whether or not you want to sit through four hours of wrestling to get to this a main event do it this main event is worth it absolutely this this just this, it polished off such a really great card it's one of the best well-rounded cards i think we've seen this year it re um, it's it's yeah. astonishingly well-rounded yeah 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 I think I'm, I think the best card. I'm trying to think because there've been some really good cards I've seen this year. Um, I think the the, the Junior All Star Festival was probably the most fun because it was a bunch of mates having some wrestling matches, which is always going to be fun. But this this is a as a regular wrestling pay per view show. It's going to take some beating, you know. This is this was yeah. this was just 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 fun, and that that's another thing is like. I watch a lot of high stakes wrestling and sometimes you want something that's just not bubblegum and throwaway because this isn't, but easier to absorb and pick up on mm -hmm. and feel the vibe from and like, because it's not, you don't have to know, you, you've come into this not being a TJPW fan right? and picked up on everything and now can see the threads, which yeah. to me is like, the signature of a good wrestling promotion. You don't, you shouldn't need a ton of stuff. It's one of the reasons why Marcus likes Clayt so much. God, Marcus mm -hmm. doesn't speak Japanese. There's no commentary, but he picks up on the storylines. He picks up on all the factions on who wrestled with who and what happened in Dragon Gate five years ago to make this thing happen that happens now. Right. He gets all of that just by watching the wrestling matches that come out in front of him. And that's mm -hmm. what makes Glate wonderful to watch. 
Um, and this is what they're doing with TJPW as well. You know, it's, it's I, I like deep law stuff like New Japan offers a lot of the time. It's like <laughs> this match between this person and this person that happened 15 years ago is vitally important to the career of this third person. You know, that stuff I don't I like that, but equally you should be able to communicate an awful lot of that through just having a wrestling match. And this company yeah. does that really, really well. I, it, help, it helps that the history is only 10 years old, but mm. also, you know, but equally, there's, that means, you know, direct, simple stories. That's, that's the way it should be. It's just really refreshing for me to watch a wrestling product where I don't feel like the wrestlers in it have to work against the people in the office. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are, there are, I've, there, hmm, New Japan, I don't always feel that way, but I do, like, maybe about 50% of the time. About 50% of the time, I can tell that there is stuff in that product that is good in spite of itself, not necessarily because all of the things that are being made behind the scenes, all the decisions make sense. And, um, you know, sometimes that's just the vibe. Mm. At where a lot of times I watch New Japan and I think these wrestlers are professionals who can take their emotions out of it and they have to to be able to do their jobs. Mm. And I did not feel that way at any point watching this card. And maybe that's just because of who was on it. But I did not get that tension anywhere. It was like, mm. no, um, these are wrestlers performing in the structure of a company that is in support of what they are trying to do. And that is a very difficult balance to strike because you have wrestlers are very like, you know, wrestlers work very hard and everybody wants to be the best and everybody wants to get paid the most and balance how much work they're putting in with the rewards that they get in their career. You know, do they get a title this year or not? Things like that. Mm. That's a very difficult balance to strike where, it seems, it feels to me, not knowing the background behind it, it felt like everybody got served equally. Mm, yeah. There was something for everyone to develop or move forward or a story to be told. Or yeah! Even in the opening tag matches, which were throwaway fluff, but they were good throwaway fluff. You know, there was, there was a point to yeah. the throwaway fluff. Yeah. It's like the difference between a regular jar of peanut butter and when you have like a fresh roasted jar of peanut butter for the first time that's made with like organic peanuts. Like if anyone's been to Los Angeles and had Erewhon peanut butter, it's like that. It's like comparing it to like the Whole Foods brand. It's just, it's like it's junk food, but it's the highest quality junk food. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's somehow it's... nourishing despite probably not actually being good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the difference between McDonald's and Five Guys. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, have you got any closing thoughts? Well, I think we've probably discussed everything we can do about this show. Where can we find you on the internet, Mom? Uh, my handle on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok is Panels and Prose. And at this point, not a lot of my things that I post are about wrestling, but um, some of it is. So, yeah, go follow me. Yeah, that's cool. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Sheriff Lonestone. You can find me on Instagram, where again, a lot of the things that I post on Instagram are nothing to do with wrestling because it's kind of my other hobbies. It's where I post most of about guitars and cars and stuff. So that's <laughs> um, that's that's Sheriff Lonestone TX. 
you can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter and Instagram on, and the the Troopany Show on Facebook and Patreon. We keep the Troopany Show forever, free forever for everyone if you pay through us on Patreon. Um, you can also find us on Discord Troopany Show Podcast and um, I'm on Mastodon as well. Troopany uh, Sheriff Lonestar. I've got I've, I've started following other people other than my one friend on Mastodon. <laughs> I haven't gotten on Mastodon yet. At some point, I will. It's it's tricky because it's like it's federated, and I don't quite yeah. don't quite get it. Sophia, who was the person I follow on Twitter, I followed her on Mastodon um, because like she's she's ran the Mastodon server for years. She's like a, a, a proper Linux geek. She's a self-admitted Linux geek. Um, and she's like one of the master on server for years. So she's like really into it. So I'll follow her and I'll know what's going on. No, still don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it seems very nice and lovely. Um, but I can't figure out how to do federated and local searches. It's, it's a bit more complicated. It's not as, it is like Twitter, but it's not as streamlined as Twitter is, which is mm. unfortunate because Twitter, there you go. Anywho, <laughs> we will be back next week with some wrestling content, which we probably will discuss and figure out by the end of this week. Shout out to John Dinsdale and Anna, who were both supposed to join us today, but Anna's not feeling very well, bless her. And John's road was dug up on Friday, and therefore he has no internet. That sucks. Yes. Oh, so he couldn't join us. So, um, but my original intention was to have like this big four-way conversation about TJPW, <laughs> which would have been cool and probably longer than the actual show itself. Well, we'll have <laughs> to we'll have to do that at some point. Yeah, definitely. Okay, but thank you very much for listening to the Trooping Show today. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>